Thank you for visiting Open Life today. We're glad that you took time out of your busy week to join in with our service. If you're listening online or through the Open Life Church app, I need to point out two things for your benefit. The first is that we have our notes conveniently placed for you to follow along with the passages and points mentioned in the talk. The second thing I would like to point out is our connection card. If you fill this out while you are listening, it not only lets us know you visited us today, but also allows you to communicate any prayer requests you may have. We will be sure to take time to pray for them during the course of the week. If you are listening on iTunes, you can always visit us online or download the Open Life Church app to get in contact with us. Wherever or however you are with us today, we are glad that you are here. Now let's join today's talk. And before I talk, too, I have one more little thing. I was just enjoying, I was, I was celebrating yesterday. Uh, the church is all about empowerment, right? And we, we say right there in our mission statement, we're people leading people into a growing relationship with Jesus. And it's just been so fun over the last few weeks to watch people that are new engaged in ministry and serving in, in all different venues, uh, whether it's, you know, worship or, or communicating or helping lead in children. And, and so I was, I was noticing, uh, you know, the last few weeks, people, different people up on the worship team, as Jamie's been recruiting and training and developing people. And then yesterday, Mandy and Corey got married, uh, the, and so she led worship just a couple of weeks ago, if you're wondering who Mandy is. And, and so they get married, and Jaden did the wedding, his first wedding, right, that he did. And I'm just going, I'm at this wedding, and then here's the cool part about it. Uh, their entire small group was there celebrating and just dancing and going crazy. And I just was like, there are so many wins of the church here at one moment. It was, I was honestly just sitting there at a table. I cry at grocery store openings, so it's okay. And I was getting emotional, right? I was sitting here, I'm watching people freshly connected to the group, like filming the wedding, like on camera, you know, and you're just going, what? This is awesome. This is like this is family. This is the body doing its work. And I just was thoroughly excited about what the future holds. And as groups launch again in the fall, we have sign-ups. I'm just like, this is what life on life is all about. People leading people, people engaging in ministry, people growing in their, their ministry. And, and uh, I don't know, it's just all in all out exciting and this talk today just leads us to that moment of, you know, choosing to follow Jesus, believing in what we just sang, I believe in the resurrection. We're going to talk about the resurrection today. And you're going, you know, it's like if we follow Jesus and we start doing this thing life on life, like, it's just more fun together. There's just something about being out on the dance floor, watching your son, like, twerk some 90-year-old's leg. I'm like, what am I, what, where did my boy even learn that? He's just like, I'm like, no, blah, blah, you know, and here's, here's people filming it, you know, he's like, whose kid is, he's like, hey, daddy, shh, on the side of the dance floor. No, we were having fun. Some crazy guy slides in, does an air guitar solo on this one song. He must have had totally too much bottled water. So, um, don't know who that was. 
I like that song, and there's a great air guitar solo. So I just had to slide in on it if you're going to do it. So that aside, we love to have fun here, and uh, yesterday was just a, a, a great day. That was at a wedding celebration, and, and then having the opportunity as well during the day to, to celebrate a life. Uh, did a memorial service for actually Bruce's uh, wife, Janet, and so Bruce, I'm glad you're here today and uh, just celebrate. Uh, her life yesterday was beautiful, and uh, the, like the community and ministry to this city was in full, full bloom yesterday, and so it was a beautiful day. Uh, jumping in today, before I tear up anymore, uh, Luke 20 is where we're at. We've been journeying through the book of Luke. We're in Luke 20, verse 27. We're going to get all the way to verse 47, but we'll just do uh, like three chunks at a time. So here we go. Verse 27, some of the Sadducees who say there is no resurrection came to Jesus with a question. Teacher, they said, Moses wrote to us that if a man's brother dies and leaves a wife but no children, the man must marry the widow and raise up offspring of his brother. Now there, we, uh, there were seven brothers. The first one married a woman and died, died childless. The second, and then the third, married her. And in same way, the seven died, leaving no children. Finally, the woman died too. Now then, at the resurrection, whose wife will she be, since the seven were married to her? What network picked this television show up, right? You're just like, now they did what, right? Anyway, it's kind of, that's a story, right? He's making it up to see if they can stump Jesus. Verse 34, Jesus replied, the people of this age marry and are given in marriage, but those who are considered worthy of taking part in the age to come and in the resurrection from the dead will never marry nor be given in marriage, and they can no longer die, for they are like the angels. They are God's children since they are children of the resurrection. But in the account of the burning bush, even Moses showed that the dead rise. For he calls the, Lord's, uh, he calls the Lord the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. He's not the God of the dead, but of the living. For to him all are alive. Some of the teachers of the law responded, well said, teacher. Like even those who wanted to kill him were impressed. And no one dared to ask him any more questions. So if you missed last week and the week before, you'll, we're at this stage where Jesus is in Jerusalem. He's almost to the cross. Like the cross is next. It's coming. The end of his ministry of three years is, is arrived. And, and he has made some enemies because he's just teaching the truth and in love. He's doing miracles. His following is outweighing the religious rulers of the day. They're not too happy about losing their influence. They feel threatened. They think he's going to become an earthly king versus just a spiritual king. So they're really concerned and they're trying to overthrow him. And they're now tracking him down like all the religious rulers the law, the, the, the rulers of the day, the authorities, the Sadducees, the Pharisees, all these religious people are tracking him down, trying to catch him in his words so that then legally they can kill him. They can take him out. 
But he keeps stumping them. And, and if anything, he's creating followers of Jesus because of his impressive answers. And so these guys trying to catch him are, are like right here. They're like, wow, wow, well said. Last week, their response was they were astonished. And there were spies, and there's all these people trying to catch Jesus. But he just keeps nailing the answers in this question and answer moment of his life. They're realizing they're not going to trap him. And today, Jesus not only answers their question, but gives a rare insight into heaven. Like something he doesn't do a lot of. And a lot of what we imagine of heaven is imagine, right? We don't have a lot to go on in Scripture. But here, Jesus explains this whole reality of marriage, and we'll talk about that in a second. But uh, really three things I want us to grasp. And, and the first thing is we're considered worthy. There will be some who are considered worthy. It's just an interesting thought because, you know, you get a lot of people who maybe in religious circles you would see and they would, they would kind of have that false humility and then, oh, you know, I'm not, I'm not worthy. You know, and they kind of get that little moment there where they go into that. Uh, but this is saying, no, wait, like being worthy is kind of a, a, a legit deal here. Jesus is saying that this is important, and we'll see that it's in Scripture in a couple different places. But he's talking about we're worthy of the resurrection of the dead, and, and it's interesting how he approaches it. This group that's questioning him today is a group called the Sadducees. So if you break it down, it helps you understand who these people are. Luke only refers to them here. In Matthew and Mark, the other, a couple of the other Gospels, uh, they refer to the Sadducees a little more. Um, the Gospels, there's four of them, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. They all record what Jesus did, and Luke is recording it so that we can be sure Jesus was the Son of God. So here we are looking at these Sadducees, and who are they? They're sad, you see, because they don't believe in the resurrection. That's a good thing to remember. It's like Pharisees, they, they're fair, you see. But the Sadducees are sad, you see, because they don't believe, they're hopeless. They don't believe in the resurrection. They don't believe in angels. Jesus hits both those things in his reply. They don't believe in the majority of the text at that time, the Bible at that time. They only believe in the Torah, the first five books of the Bible, right? So that's why they quote Moses. They, they, so Jesus couldn't proof text all the prophecies about the resurrection from other books of the Bible, which there's a bunch. He had to kind of go back and proof text uh, the resurrection from the language of Moses so that they would respect it. And so it's just very interesting. These Sadducees are this weird spiritual group. They don't follow the Jews, the Pharisees, all these other guys. They're kind of this other sect, but they're still threatened by Jesus and want to kill him. So, so you, that's how many people Jesus has offended in his loving others. It's kind of really weird, right, that that offends people. So ultimately, these guys are hopeless versus hopeful. And so Jesus kind of really confronts their question and says, well, your question's just all wrong anyway, right? He, he, he doesn't go, well, of course, the, the, she's married to like the sixth brother because he was the tallest. He doesn't do anything weird like that just to mess with them. Uh, he, he confronts their question with a different reality and the question they were asking was a law 
at the time called Levirate marriage. It's like Levitical marriage, basically. Here's the definition of this law from one of the books I read up on this. It says, a law and custom in ancient Israel that if a man died without sons, his brother would take the widow for a wife in order to provide male offspring for his dead brother. The children then would be the heirs of their dead father's land and possessions, and the family line would not be broken. I'm just thinking this puts a whole new dynamic into marriage for the oldest brother, right? You know what I'm saying? The first one getting married, the other brothers are like, dude, let's talk about this because there's things, there's rules. Like there's things we have to do if like you, you know, so uh, we all got to get to know her. I don't know. This is just weird. This is like, this would be a real tough law to continue to live by. I'm just, yeah. I'm more of a blonde kind of guy. Could you work on it? Maybe not this girl. You know, I don't know. It's just really weird. But it's the reality of the law of that day that they're approaching. So it's, re- it's a legitimate, like, rule of law and practice that they're asking him about, but they just, like, exaggerate it out, right, to the seventh brother. And then if they all die and there was no children, then, yeah, their inheritance is lost. Like, that property goes to whomever, and their family lineage is, is ending, and they don't want that. They want to carry the name forward. So Jesus, on the flip side, challenges them that first, he says, there are those who will be worthy of the resurrection. So he hits their disbelief in the resurrection of the dead. And then he talks about this age to come that they don't believe in, right? And Luke knew the readers didn't believe in it, and, he, and, and so he approaches this worthiness conversation, and that stuck with the disciples. Because listen to this passage in, in 2 Thessalonians 1.5, written by the followers of Jesus, that says, all this is evidence that God's judgment is right, and as a result, you will be counted worthy of the kingdom of God for which you're suffering. He was encouraging the followers of Jesus. No, because Jesus did die and resurrect from the dead, you're worthy by putting your faith in Jesus as Savior and Lord to be resurrected. You're alive. You do not die. You go from death to life in the presence of God. Right? Acts 4.2 says it this way. They were greatly disturbed because the apostles were teaching the people, proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. See, the disciples didn't get put to death because they were preaching that Jesus was a good prophet and his teachings were really great to live by. He was, the disciples were put to death because they were preaching the resurrection, something that a lot of people didn't believe, like the Sadducees. And because they believed the resurrection, because they put their faith in Jesus giving his body up on the cross, dying three days later, raising from the dead, that's where they were put to death because it was like, you're saying this is the Messiah, the Son of God. And it was greatly disturbing people, but yet they were still telling people, no, through the resurrection of Jesus from the dead, you've become counted as worthy. All you have to do is put your faith on Jesus as Lord. And so to this day, it's great news for us. It's great news for us that we have the opportunity to choose to follow Jesus, 
be encountered with a love of God for us that is unconditional. And now we can take that passion and that heart and that love, known as the gospel, the good news, is what that means, and we could go out and serve people. We could go out and get school supplies for people. We could go out and, and partner with needs in the community and, and just unconditionally be generous to people. And because we were as ones counted worthy by putting our faith in Jesus, we're inspired to do that. We don't have to, but we're inspired to. I love this. I love this stuff. And it would be sad not to believe it, like the sad UCs, right? And I just look at this and go, why were they so against Jesus? I'm, I'm just, it's crazy. Now, point two is that there's a living hope. It's kind of a continuation of point one. Maybe it's point one, point two, depending on how you like to point. Just point. Point two. First uh, Peter 1.3 says it this way, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In His great mercy, He has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. We have a living hope. How did Jesus say God lords over us, right? He's not just the Lord of the dead. He's the Lord of the what? Living, right? It said that in verse 38. He's not the God of the dead, but of the living. For to Him, all are alive. See, when we put our faith in Jesus, we're alive. Like from that moment forward, and though our human body may pass away, we're with Jesus. We're alive still. And, and we witness like on this side of humanity, <laughs> we witness like death. But on that side of eternity, we've got the reward. Like we're in the presence of heaven. It's, it's mind-baffling. It's hard to grasp. But there's a living hope to grab a hold of accounted here in this text today. We're able to hope that we will never personally experience death if we've chosen to follow Jesus. That's why it's so critical in our life that we do. It's, it, it, and to think that the Sadducees didn't believe that and were just trying to follow religious rules how full was their life? I mean, we're promised life and life to the full in John 10.10. 10. How full would the life be if you just thought it was only now and then it was over? We need to put our faith, we need to put our hope in this resurrection that Jesus is confronting. And then the Sadducees are struggling, I'm sure, at that moment, grasping eternity. They're still impressed. Well said, teacher, they say, right? But then Jesus tosses in the middle this rare glimpse of an eternal reality, of a heaven image. And it's an image on marriage, something very controversial in our world today, that word, right? Oh, great, here we're at open life. Don't say marriage, Thad. People will get ruffled. Anyway, uh, but this is what Jesus says about marriage. He says right here that marriage is not an eternal fixture in God's creative purpose. Marriage is for now, this side of eternity. Marriage, if you go back, and I, I grabbed this quote. I thought it did a real good job out of a commentary. It says, marriage is not an eternal fixture in God's creative purpose. It came into being at a point in time, and it will cease when time, as we know it, ceases to be. The need of marriage to fill the earth, Genesis 1.28, 
will be passed and the need for procreation ended. The need for companionship, which marriage was meant to fill, Genesis 2, 18 through 25, will no longer be needed for that need will be met by God himself and the family of believers. So Jesus is like, mm, yeah, time out on the whole seven brother, one wife, passed down creepy scenario, Sadducees, right? Marriage doesn't even exist in heaven. So good try, I'm the son, been there, you missed it, right? So he just kind of spells it out for him, gives him this full-on glimpse of, whoa, that's crazy, you know? So some of you right now, if you've never read that before or kind of grasped what Jesus was saying there, you're going, oh, so now, like, so it's not going to be too messed up how many wives I've had when I get to heaven, right? <laughs> I was just thinking of that earlier. Never mind. Okay, I'll just move on. Um, but you're, you know, some people are going, oh, this is better than I thought. This is, I'm going to definitely follow Jesus because then I won't have to figure out who's who when I get, you know, um, one, two, three. Okay, moving on. Uh, how important is it that Jesus would just share that with them and that glimpse and give them that reality and heart? Well, he's saying Nothing else is going to matter. I mean, we think that there's going to be so many questions I might have. When I get to heaven, I'm going to ask Jesus why he didn't just say, thou shalt not whatever, you know? No. I think, again, we're seeing here, when we get to heaven, when we cross over to the other side of eternity, one thing's going to matter. That's how much we love God and we're grateful that we're there. I mean, that's It'll consume us. Nothing else matters. And Jesus is just like, you're missing it if you're going to squabble about these little things. You need to fall in love with God because he loves you so much. Acts 17, 28 says, In him we, we live and move and have our being. As some of your own poets have said, we are his offspring. We've literally become his children through faith in Jesus. By, by becoming a follower of Jesus, when we get to the point where we've heard enough and we're explored enough and, and we're never going to get rid of our doubts, we're never going to get rid of our, this is a long journey. Faith is like all of our life, right? Where we'll go in and out of like being totally convinced that Jesus is like the real deal. That's just, that's life life happens. We'll be mad at God at times. We'll be really happy with Him at times. And yet, we're His children when we choose to follow Jesus. We become co-heirs with Christ. And in Him, we live and move and have our being now because He's the God of the living. So we just need to grasp that. He's the God of the living. And we have an opportunity to follow Him wholeheartedly. So I love this, and I love what we're able to, to grab out of here. I'm, I'm going to continue here and jump into Luke 20, 41 through 44, because Jesus now asks them a question. He says to them, why is it said that the Messiah is the son of David? David himself declares in the book of Psalms, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. David calls him Lord. How then can he be his son? 
This is one of those passages that it's easy to go, next? Because you're just like, what? It, what? Right? What, what was that? Jesus continues to clarify that he's not only going to, to rise and, and, and be with God, but he's going to sit at the right hand and have all authority. And David was correct as the king, as their Messiah. And this was somebody who, in this time, they all were like, David was the most awesome dude ever, right? Most awesome ruler, the most awesome follower of God, a man with a heart after God, and they just highly, everybody highly respected David. King David, nobody could be greater. But David calls Jesus Lord. So while he is in the lineage of David, David called him Lord, which is not the normal practice to put one who's in your lineage at a higher platform than you. And Jesus is saying, hey, this one whom you respect calls me Lord. Why will you not call me Lord? Why are you trying to kill me? He's digging them again. He's coming right at them with this. And they would have got this. They would have gotten the depth of what Jesus was saying there. So would the Pharisees that were listening in. So would the Jewish leaders that are there listening in. This would have raised up the anger meter to like red, you know. And, and they're just not really enjoying this little dig Jesus gets in. And notice, there's no answer. Luke has been so detailed in his recording. He's been interviewing people, finding out all he can about Jesus, and he's recording in such detail. He's a medical guy paid by this dude named Theophilus to write this book and the book of Acts. And so he's well-funded. He's making this story. He wants to detail it so there's no doubt that we could totally be convinced that Jesus is Lord. And he's not missing any details. He gives us the answers of all these other scenarios. Why no answer here? I think they're still in well-said teacher mode. They're just like, I don't know, Jesus. You got us. We can't get you. But you got us. And he's just stumping them because he is the Messiah. He's Lord and worthy of us putting our faith in him. So it continues. Final section, point three. Genuine prayer is the point if you're filling in blanks there on the handout. It says this in Luke 20, 45 through 47. While all the people were listening. So again, now they're not questioning. Right? They went to listening mode. While all the people were listening, Jesus said to his disciples, Beware of the teachers of the law. <laughs> Those who are standing right in front of him, right? It's just, this is awesome. They, they like to walk around in flowing robes and love to be great or greeted with respect in the marketplaces and have the most important seats in the synagogues and the places of honor at banquets. They devour widows' houses and for a show make lengthy prayers. These men will be punished most severely. So they're sitting here, well said, well said, teacher. And then he hits them with the David question. They're like, and they're just in listening mode. And he's like, 
you're going to be punished, every one of you, right? He's got him, and he just knocks the wind out of him there. And Jesus warns them. He warns the teachers of the law, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the Jewish leaders of their hypocrisy, their religious hypocrisy that they're living out, and says, no, it's not for position. It's not for a place of honor in the community. It's not for all these things you aspire to, to look great and walk around in their flowing robes. I don't know. And, and, and you just go, come on, Mick Jagger, put it away. That robe is not necessary. The religious leaders, all you have to do is be humble. And he teaches them on an issue of prayer. Now, on this issue of prayer, real quick, before we wrap up, I'm guilty of this. And sit down at the dinner table. We like to eat dinner together. We somehow manage to do that somewhat consistently, although the pace gets more aggressive as our kids get older, right? And so we will get down to the dinner table and we'll oftentimes maybe now not everyone's at the table when we pray, but we'll pray. And then sometimes we get to the table and somebody's ate a little more than we thought. And already before we've prayed and we're like, did we pray? And so you have that moment, right? And then it's like, oh yeah, I'll pray. Oh, good shot. Right? And you go, Jesus bless this food. Amen. It wasn't long ago I did a prayer such as this, and it was judged at the table, like full-on judged at the table, right? I was rushed. I was, I, was, I was in a hurry. I think I actually meant I was praying to Jesus, but it was like, Jesus bless this food. Amen. And, and just <laughs> took another bite. And someone at the table says, well, that was sincere. And I was like, are you judging my prayer? It didn't feel good, honestly. It felt really brutal at the time. So I was being serious, but yet at the same time, I was like, good play because that's worthy of judgment, right? I was like, I was in that moment of going, that was totally worthy play on the judgment factor. And Jesus is doing that to these religious rulers whom he just schooled, and I can't imagine this feels good. In their presence, he just full-on nailed them and said, you hypocrites. Matthew words it this way, this very moment. He says, when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they've received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who's unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Wow. Are we living our faith just to be seen? Because Jesus is just brutalizing the religious people of that day for doing that very thing, including their prayers, not being very sincere, their motives being off. Are we in this to be a child of God talking to our Father? Have we got to that place yet where we've even put our faith in Jesus and become, according to the Scripture, worthy of eternal life? Have we reached that place? We need to reach that place. And there's a celebration of that. And today, there's a couple ways to respond today. Maybe for you, you're still exploring this whole Bible thing, and it wouldn't make sense to take communion for you today, and I'll describe what that is in a second. But maybe for you today, uh, 
just responding on the back of your connection card is going to be like a big step for you. So on the back of that card that John pointed out that to have you fill out at least your email on is some options to respond. Maybe you're going to choose to follow Jesus today or trust in the hope of the resurrection today or trust God for life now like God's the, the God of the living, not just He's not just there for insurance so when we die we make it to heaven. Like He wants us to live life to the full now. Or maybe you want to live faithfully in private. Like He was challenging the religious leaders. Hey, if you, if you want to pray sincerely, go talk to your dad in your closet. Get on your knees and ask for what you really, really, really need. One-on-one, build that relationship with God. So I don't know where you're at in your walk, but one way to celebrate Jesus' resurrection is through a practice taught in Scripture called communion. It's celebrating Jesus going to the cross and shedding His blood, which the grape juice represents, which we've yet to pour because we witnessed fruit flies in here earlier and thought you wouldn't want that experience while taking communion. Good choice. Applauded. Okay, there we go. And then, uh, and then we take bread, which is representation of His body. And because His body was broken and he shed his blood on the cross. He died and rose again three days later. In communion, we're supposed to do this to remember that Jesus shed his blood and his body was broken so that now we have eternal life. We can put our hope in the resurrection that we're counted worthy of eternal life. So uh, maybe today you're going to check a box and sit there, or as the worship team comes and plays, I'll pray here, and you'll make your way and just take a piece of bread, dip it in the juice, and, and you can eat it on your way back to your seat. You don't have to hold it and wait for us to have you take the elements. You could just take the elements. So they'll pour that juice and get ready while I pray. Uh, But I hope you're moved by this text today. God, I thank you for the opportunities we have to respond to your word today. Man, what a touching insight that you give us into heaven where like nothing else is going to matter but being in your presence. And I just pray that maybe we took a step closer to you on our journey and maybe we processed through another one of our doubts today to where we could find ourselves in a place to say, okay, Jesus, it's it. I'm going to believe today. I'm going to put my faith in you as Lord. I'm going to believe that you did shed your blood. I'm going to believe that you did take my place on the cross, that you paid the price for all sin of the world so that now I can have that promise of eternal life. And, and you said today, man, I'm a, I'm a child of God. I'm worthy of eternity. And I just thank you for your grace and love today. I hope you could reach that place. I hope that, God, you would challenge us to be sincere in our prayers and, and not just in repetitious mode. I hope that, God, you could encourage us to, to find time with you and, and just deepen that relationship with you one-on-one. And God, we celebrate in both our response cards today, personally in our heart, but we celebrate in communion as well. You shed your blood for us. Your body was broken for us. And it makes a huge world of difference. So as we take these elements today, we remember the price you paid so that we could be worthy of the resurrection of the dead. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Feel free to make your way and take the elements or respond on the connection card, whichever you feel you want to do today.
Thank you for joining us today. If you have questions about anything you heard during this talk or have a prayer request, you can fill out the connection card on our app or online at openlife.church. If you'd like to join the mission of Open Life with a financial gift, you can do this quickly and securely through the app by pressing the Give button at the bottom or on our website by clicking on the Giving tab. Open Life wouldn't exist without the consistent and generous giving of people like you. Finally, it's great that you had the chance to listen on the app, online, or through our podcast. But have you ever thought about joining us for a service? We meet every Sunday at Bonnie Lake High School at 10 a.m. This way you can put a face to the voice you've been hearing through your ears. Thanks again for joining us today. Have a great rest of your week.